0: Yes, Marion.
1: I'm a bit sad to tell you that this is the end of The Lovecraft Show, as in there won't be any more seasons and there won't be any more episodes.
0: That's bad news, particularly as I'm (laughs) still in The Lovecraft Show. What am I going to do now?
1: Well, don't worry, because we've got a new show for all our crafty, loving listeners. It's going to be called Craft Talking. Guess who's going to be doing it?
0: Who's going to be doing it? You!
1: Hey!
0: Oh, I can live on to be another day. I tell you what, it's very weird just being a disembodied voice that exists in a podcast. There are so many trapped in other podcasts that have pod faded over time, but I can live on in another area. I'm so excited now. Craft Talking, you say?
1: Craft Talking. So it's going to be a fantastic new podcast with me and you, and we're going to talk to everybody and anybody so people listeners don't forget to subscribe and find craft talking wherever you get your podcasts
0: that's craft talking without a g because we're so cool see you there bye i was saying to the others earlier i've moved into a new house about three months ago and we're doing we're past the point where you can't find anything and now we're at the point where you start to like make improvements to the house and stuff like that and um, unbeknownst to my wife I've just swapped our bed in our bedroom for a trampoline and when she finds out she's gonna hit the roof Hey Mama! everybody, it's the Lovecraft show my name is Mr XT
1: and I'm Marion hello everybody welcome to the Lovecraft show we are so excited today because we have supersonic guests Steve and Kathy Elkins from the amazing webs hi Steve and Kathy
0: Good morning. Hi. Good morning. How are you?
1: Yeah, how are you? It's hot. You said
2: it is hot here. Yes, but we are loving it. I'm a summer girl, so I am not complaining.
3: Yes, yeah, so it's going to be a hundred degrees today, which
0: will be be a little warm.
1: That just would make me make me fall off my chair. I don't. I like would have to take my that.
0: shoes off for that kind of temperature, that, <laughs> and I don't take my shoes off for going to bed or anything.
1: Don't d- surely. What about socks, Jamie? Socks.
0: Let's not talk, oh, we got socks in already.
1: Yeah, I always kind of get socks in as my yeah. favourite thing to knit.
0: Marion's um, writing a memoir and it's going to be called Socks and Dogs and Sausage Rolls. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah,
1: that's there's that's only Jamie's going to read it. So <laughs> the reason that we wanted to talk to you, and it's so exciting for me personally, as you know, is that Webbs is now part of the gorgeous Lovecrafts family.
4: Woohoo! <laughs> and, you
1: know, Webbs is just the most incredible store and business just you know supersonic huge collection of beautiful yarns and making and craft and weaving and oh, just amazing can you tell us tell us about well we uh, we know kind of how it all began but tell our listeners how it all began i'll default to steve for that
2: one <laughs> sure um so was founded in
3: 1974 by my mother in our basement in the basement of the house in amherst where we still live And my mother is a weaver, a hand weaver by trade, and she needed money. She needed money to buy yarn.
1: A common thread for us. (laughs) (laughs) Shocking.
3: She um, decided that she was going to teach people how to weave. And rather than teach people how to weave the traditional way, which is you would go to a studio and learn how to weave there and leave the the hand weaving loom there and go home, She decided that she would teach people how to weave like you do with a musical instrument here in the States, which is that you get the musical instrument and you take it home and you continue with homework. The idea being that you would lease the loom or rent the loom. And hopefully by the end of the class, you were so enthralled with the loom that you would take it home and buy. So no one would give my mother a loan in 1974. Why sounded a little nuts so i think the business was founded with five thousand dollars or something like that and i distinctly remember we had one of those station wagons that was like 92 feet long and i distinctly remember driving up to harrisville new hampshire and the looms were in kits so we came home with an entire station wagon full of boxes Mm -hmm. um, and had to put them all together and that's how it started I think by 1978 or so my mom had a partner and they talked together that we kicked her out um, we wanted oh. our ba- we wanted our basement back so we could watch sports again and so got a store it was one of those stores that you would say okay well this is really glamorous let's have a, a retail store in the basement with the entrance in the backyard
4: <laughs> sounds quick, completely above board not it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: but that's what they could afford when it grew and they taught and added weaving yarns or added knitting yarns as well outgrew that space bought another space webs is a story of constantly adding space and not planning far enough ahead and having to add more space (laughs) um but
1: but i'd have to say though steve um there is that gorgeous video on the webs website yarn.com of your parents driving around the different buildings that they had and how they you know how they grew it's gorgeous to watch
3: yeah we did that and we did that for our 40th anniversary
1: and it's funny one of the buildings is in the
2: town that we live in which is we live in a very very small town we have what two thousand residents tops and there's a there's a building that was one of the places where they stored yarn and they had someone who worked for them, who would drive around to each of the locations where where they had yarn squirreled away in these little buildings um, to pull out what was needed to fulfill the orders.
3: The town wanted to put the new police station where the store was, so they literally moved the store down the street. Um, So it's in a different location now. So our second store, which was in Amherst, my parents bought the location. We spent the summer renovating it. Distinctly remember pushing the fixtures through the street between the two stores, oh. <laughs> and because it was too, the, one of the fixtures was too too heavy to get into the truck. And that store did really really well. My parents continued to buy more and more and more yarn. My father had retired. He was a um, he was a professor at the University of Massachusetts. And in 1988 he retired, and all of his professors, all of his, his colleagues thought he was absolutely bananas because he was fully tenured, still had a kid in college. And he's like, I'm going to go run a yard business. And so 1990, 1989, 1990, he was trying to go to the bathroom in the store, which was in the back room. And the store was so crowded that he had to go outside, come <laughs> back in.
1: Oh, superb.
3: That was a, Fair signal that that the store is probably it was too time small. To, time to move. Oh,
1: <laughs> yes. Fantastic. So,
3: 1991 moved to Northampton. So, we're celebrating 30 years in Northampton in the current store location where we're at. Um, that store has been, Kathy and I spent way more money than we care to admit renovating that building.
2: Because every time we thought we'd expanded enough, we had. So, the Poor planning of space and real estate is a multi generational.
1: <laughs> but what a but what a thing to contend with. How brilliant. To be so successful that you just keep needing to grow. I love it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward two thousand one, Kathy and I came into the business. It was a three on one. I got ganged up on. Um, <laughs> Come back.
2: His, His parents had asked us a couple of times to join the business over the years. But you know, we were newly married, we were living in the Boston area, we had great jobs, we had just finished getting our MBAs. We were super cool, you know, doing cool, cool kid things. And you know, moving out here, we're about two hours west of Boston, you know, it's very quiet, very small town, very agricultural. You know, and we were living large in the Boston area and having a great time. So it just wasn't very appealing to us. By 2001, we had two very small children. I was a stay-at-home mom. Steve was working a gazillion hours and missing out on life. And suddenly coming to Western Massachusetts and running a yarn business sounded a whole lot more appealing. So his parents came down and made a big PowerPoint presentation to us, um, ran through all the numbers. and, And I said, all right let's, let's give it a whirl. And Steve's like, I don't think so. Um, So it took a couple months, at least a month. Um, And I, you know, he'd go off to work and while the kids were napping, I'd get on the phone with his parents. I'm like, you know, I'm really trying to convince him. I don't know what the holdup is.
0: He just doesn't want to push any more items across the street.
2: Apparently he did not. Um, Apparently he did not. But no, I, you know, I told his parents, they're like, you know, we just don't understand why doesn't he want to do this? And it was a it was a business transaction. There was nothing being handed to us by any stretch of the imagination. And I just said, you know, you raised a really great kid and he's exactly what you would want him to be. And he doesn't want to rest on, on your success. He wants to find his own way in the world. And I think your father rolled his eyes a couple of times on that phone call um, over that. But Eventually, eventually, that
3: was before Zoom, so you couldn't see. Him. You couldn't see. Him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you
2: could. You could detect you could
3: hear it.
4: <laughs> the
2: annoyance. um But eventually, he came around. Fortunately, the corporate culture of the company he was working for kind of beat him down enough to say, "All right, I'm, I'm in." And all the executives thought you were a lunatic. Yeah,
1: you
3: can
2: come
1: back anytime. <laughs> yeah, because this is the thing, isn't it? It's like from going from sort of, you know. Corporate environment, sorts of jobs and things like that. For something like yarn, it's just people. Unless you're in the yarn world, unless you're in this industry and you know how huge it is and how buzzy it is and how much potential there is in it, anybody looking at me outside would just think, "Are oh, these people are insane?" You know, to sort of my just I
2: have relatives. When my mom was alive, I, you know, I would chat with her, and she would have talked to one of my aunts or <clears throat> or whoever in the family, and there are a handful of people who'd be like. Are Kathleen and Steve okay? Are they, are they going to be all right? You know, are they, are they able to make the mortgage payment? You know, they've got those two little kids. And my mom would be like, "I think they're fine. I think they're <laughs> just fine." We had to plan it if it didn't work for us working together. If the if running the business worked and we couldn't work together, I was I was getting the boot.
1: Well, that, actually, that was one of our questions we talked about when we were planning mm. this chat. How I mean, it takes. You know, a lot of strength to be working with your other half. How does that go? How did, did you did you iron out the bumps along the way? How did it go? Was you working together all the time? I would say it was
3: more of traders. It was <laughs> rough. beginning. I mean,
2: you know, we had we both had pretty significant corporate jobs, and we both had people who reported to us. We reported to you know very high level. Um, and we both have pretty strong personalities, so we went in with our w- eyes wide open. I remember meeting Steve's parents and thinking, "Wow, they work together every day, and they still seem to really like each other a lot." <laughs> like that's that's pretty impressive. It is. Um, so when we decided to do this, we we sat here in this kitchen and had that exact conversation, or actually, our kitchen in our other house. Yeah. Um, but we had that conversation and really laid things out and said, you know. If this is going to jeopardize our family life, I'll go find something else to do. I felt really strongly this was his family's business, even though I was married into it. I still felt really strongly that if we couldn't do it together, then he would go it alone and I would go and figure out what my next chapter would be. And it was a little bumpy in the beginning, figuring things out. I didn't have a desk for months of my own. I didn't have my own computer. computer. Neither of us had our own computer. We had to wait in line behind his parents (laughs) to finish what they needed to do. So it was, um, it was really a different environment than either of us. I mean, we both had fancy window offices and whatnot back in our other jobs. So um, yeah, it was rough. And, you know, I didn't really know yarn. I had learned to crochet as a kid. I never really took to knitting all that well going from one hook to two to two needles, and so it was all a foreign language to me. At least Steve had grown up with it and had, you know, had some perspective. But yeah, I think, I think our team at the time were really worried we were
1: going to get divorced. But it is so hard, isn't it? I mean, um, my husband is a lovely man, but I mean, I can just about cope with him in the next room working, doing his job and me in this room. Because I think you, you have that thing where if, if you make a decision, you, you're, spouse has to respect that decision that you're taking and respect your knowledge and your business acumen and so it's a it is a quite a test so you've you've gloriously passed the test oh i've walked out <laughs> oh i think i've walked out
2: come home and told him don't come home i'm not ready to deal with you yet.
0: <laughs> yeah but that and that's the interesting thing Are you do you have a different business relationship to a personal relationship, or has it been going on for so long that they've kind of blurred? Or do you have like game hits? Oh,
2: it's all one big mess. We work,
3: we work together well, but you know, it's been, you know, when we were twelve employees versus when we we're nine when we we're ninety, it's a very different, you know, animal. And we've caught waves, we've gotten lucky, we've made some smart moves in terms of growing the business. Um not
2: so smart moves. Yeah.
3: Knowing you know, knowing what probably you no, know, we when we, in 2012, when we bought a building and moved the e-commerce, what looked like a really bad move, because it was a disaster when we did the move, you know, it was probably the thing that allowed us to grow more.
0: Yeah. I mean, getting, the minute I realized that you guys had got yarn.com, I was like, come on now. Yeah. That and wow. the podcast, like you've been, some, you've done some really innovative stuff.
3: Yeah. The yarn.com was my father. So right. that was in 19... 19- It was in the the, 90s. In the the early 90s. He was reading something in the Wall Street Journal that said, you need to uh, have this thing called a URL.
2: Um, We think he had to fax the application in which, how hysterical (laughs) was that? (laughs) that's hilarious. And
3: then they faxed back and said that that webs.com was taken. And so he faxed back and said, I'd like yarn.com. And that was available. And so he took yarn.com for $35.
0: Yeah. Um, have people tried to buy it, it from you Have people tried to over the years you must have been yeah, offering it.
3: nothing of not enough to sure. you know make it worthwhile. and we were building a business that we thought was pretty valuable but yeah the yarn.com thing was pretty genius if we had only bought everything else along with <laughs> it we'd be fond to the team to do this podcast. <laughs>
1: well, and of course, you're no stranger to podcasting because mm-hmm. you then ran your own podcast for a long time. Did you just kind of, was it like you inner in a radio thing coming out? The start was rough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I came to love it. I really did. I miss it. Doing some virtual trade shows and other virtual things during the pandemic made me realize how much I miss that platform. I miss the bantering. I miss the exchange. I miss hearing the stories. That was always my favorite part of interviewing people was getting their backstory because no one, very few people in this industry, as a child said, I can't wait to grow up and be a knitwear designer. I can't <laughs> wait to run a yarn store. There's very, very few pure plays in our industry and everybody has a really interesting windy road of how they ended up here. And I f- that's the part that's fascinating
3: for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I mean, it came home one day. And she said, "So I think we're going to do this podcast thing. We do a radio. We're show. going to do a radio show about yarn." Mm. And I said, "You are absolutely nuts." <laughs> what? Why? There might
2: have been some inappropriate language in that statement.
3: <laughs> Why? Why? How? How are we going to sell yarn over the radio? I'm, and like, I'm
2: just like shush. Yeah. This, we're just doing it. Stop yeah. it.
3: And the first one we did was it took us an hour and a half oh, or two hours horrible. to do a half hour show, and we got it down so we could do a half hour show and. In 35 minutes. It became almost second nature. And, you know, Kathy did the majority of the work. There's no question about it. But it felt it was a nice thing to do. But it it felt like it got old. And I can't imagine what it would have been, like, trying to
0: do last year.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Nobody in their right
0: mind would have started a podcast last year. I don't think (laughs) we would
3: have been able to get into the station.
0: But it's fascinating because you started, the first show was in November 2006 then. So it was like... This isn't. It's not a podcast, is it? Because podcasts aren't even a thing. Kind of. Then was it? Did you see it as like a local marketing tool? Was the idea just for it to be, you know, the Massachusetts kind of area, and then somewhere down the line, it. Suddenly- it was a Saturday
3: morning radio show locally, but the only way we could justify was to say, "Okay, we're going to release it as a podcast, right? As well, and send it out to our people." And it turned. It worked. I mean, it was great, and. We would do trade shows in California and people would come up to us. And that was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing that people would say, "I oh, recognize your voice or you're the guy on the podcast. Um,
1: I think this is the wonder of podcasting, isn't it? And audio is that crafters, you know, they have a lot of time on their hands when they're sitting crafting. It's so inspirational to listen to somebody's story. And like you say, the windy, windy turns that, that it takes to get somewhere. I mean it's such a rich tapestry of stories to pick from. Of all the people that you had on the podcast with your sort of guests, have you got favorite standout people? Wow.
3: I mean so I love doing I love doing the tensile.
2: Yeah, the tensile because we did those live. Oh mm-hmm. at the store. So the, the radio station would bring their equipment. We'd have someone in the studio running things. We'd have our producer on site with us. We were under a under the tent out in front of the store, my favorite episode. And I forget which year it was, but on Saturday of our tent sale weekend, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event. And on Saturday, we have what's called fleece market. It's something Steve's parents started. It kind of faded away. And then we brought it back. It's where we invite local farmers to come with their hand spun wool, their fleeces. It's grown over the years to include local potters and other things And sometimes they would bring animals, which was always awesome. We were in the middle of our live podcast and someone pulled up in an SUV and alpacas started hopping out the back of the (laughs) SUV. And literally I'm like, oh my gosh, there's alpacas. And we completely lost control of the show there. We were laughing so hard. We were crying. My makeup was running down my face. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. That was a great
0: episode. Yeah, I'm going to try a thing here. We've got uh, we've got a couple of random sounds and we'll play a little game called Can You Guess Which Episode This Was From? Oh, Jesus. It's, we're not setting you up for a fall here. Hopefully this will work. Let's try this one.
2: It's cashmere, honey. Yeah, but then there's also, it's kind of weird looking. <laughs> well, thanks for that. <laughs> <That's> Jackson. <laughs> Tell Jackson. us about that one. Oh, my goodness. He's 21 now. That was 100 years ago. (laughs) Because
0: I guess one thing I noticed from a quick spin through your blog, admittedly, as there's like 250 pages of it, so I didn't get all of it read. But you share a lot about your family. And it's clear that I guess the people listening to the podcast as well, they get to know you, they get to know your kids, they get to see you all grow and evolve. Like, there must be such a strength of community with the people that you've connected with over the years.
2: Oh, yeah. When our kids were little, I mean, Jackson played hockey up through high school. And so... You know, weekends that was that was our life on weekends Mm -hmm. when they were little. It was just from one rink to the next next rink. And you know, we would talk about that on the show. And if we didn't give an update the following week of how the game went, we would get emails from people (laughs) (laughs) like what happened with the game? How did Jackson play? How did Johnny play?
3: Yeah, and that morphed into baseball and lacrosse and golf. And yeah,
2: but I think Yeah, I think it goes back to what you said, you know, how do we parse the the personal from the professional and we don't it's just all it's just all one big story all combined together there is there is no separation of church and state in in the family
0: that's the thing that i really admire is the fact you know you made that quite brave decision to reject the corporate status quo and and do this And rebalance your like your family work because there was always the risk, I guess, in your big corner offices that you'd only see your kids when you got home and, you know, and that real disconnect. And I know, you know, I'm my position wasn't dissimilar because I became Mr. Exit full time about four years ago, which is at the same time that my first daughter was born. And it's meant I've been here a lot for them and stuff and i'm old enough to recognize the beauty of that and how important that is and you can just tell from the things that you're saying that you've just got this one big experience where yeah everybody's really invested in it. it's a really quite beautiful thing if you don't mind me getting a bit emotional for a second we're very
3: lucky that you know we were able to you know we weren't we didn't have to miss a game we didn't have to miss you know i could coach the kids or you know, Kathy can shovel them, move them every which way, except except fifth grade graduation,
2: Jackson's fifth grade graduation. <laughs> oh. you could ask him, and he would tell you because he still brings it up every now and again. Wow, twenty one years old. <laughs> I was at TNA and for meeting, I, I was
3: our yard trade show.
2: Yeah, our yard US. trade show, and I went and I flew back to come home for graduation and. There was a me- mechanical failure. I had a connection. There was a mechanical problem, and I couldn't get home in time.
3: Was and, I was bad still, news. and I was still in. in
2: yeah, we in couldn't college. both come home. We just, you know, this was the, be- the beauty of running a business together is we can divide and conquer. There's two mm-hmm. of us. And so he stayed to handle the business portion. I was flying home to handle the personal. And, um, yeah. Yep. <laughs>
3: Still, we still hear about it. Yeah, I going to be uh, so
2: I mean, are you really going to be there, Mom? Are you really going to be there? Is it going to be like fifth grade graduation <laughs> where you didn't show up? Oh, oh,
1: yeah, man. yeah. This is that's man. the beauty of children when they grow up, isn't
3: it? Never mind the thousands of
1: the thousands
2: yes! of games.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes! yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, just that one thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try another clip. And finally, I said, "You know, this
2: just won't work because it won't be safe for the cats."
0: <laughs> just won't be safe for the cats. What's that all about?
2: That was Steve's mom. Uh, that, had to be, uh, had
3: that had to be Northampton. It had to be moving from
0: Amherst to Northampton.
2: Yeah, because there was always a store cat.
0: Right. Was <laughs> that on purpose or was he just, uh, you know, that you get that much yarn in a place as an inevitable cat? Cats were, just like were drawn.
3: Like,
1: they were cat whispers. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a risk in a yarn store full of balls of yarn, cats. They always behave. We even had
2: a store cat, an unofficial store cat here in Northampton for many years. He was a neighborhood cat and he would come to visit. Never bothered the yarn. Could have cared less.
3: Okay. Would just wander around the store.
2: Looking
1: for a, a lap
3: we'd go sit in our office
1: on the table. Oh, see, that's just lovely. There are so many knitters and crafters with cats. It's one of the things that we've noticed. <laughs> it's a real thing that there are lots and lots of people with cats and yarn.
0: Uh, there's an intersection somewhere where you'd open up a cat cafe now as well, wouldn't you? And it would just all kind of blend together.
1: We'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform thanks for listening so your titles chief global yarn officer there can't be many people in the world who have that title you know how do you I mean I'm very I'm an absolute yarnaholic and I know that a lot of people listening will be like me and want to know how do you choose all these yarns how do you you know I hear, Kathy, that you are a big fan of cashmere and you like a bit of sparkle. And Steve, you really don't like brown. <laughs> really don't like that. brown, yeah. <laughs> or yellow, apparently.
3: It's not that I don't I actually have brown shorts on today. It's not that I don't like brown, it's that brown
0: doesn't sell. Um. Brown, and brown and yellow and orange. Except to like the one mid-century fan in the town who's, that's (laughs) all they buy, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, unless it's a gay glaspie and then she'll be buying all your orange yarn. Yeah, I have to really
2: fight for those colours because they do round out a palette and sometimes I sneak them in when he isn't looking. I'll just, you know, I'll be sending an email to the mill, oh, and and the yellow, we need the yellow too. And like, where did this yellow come from? I don't know. Talk to the mill. They must
1: have messed up. I don't know what happened.
0: So he starts oh, twitching. He's like, There's some brown. Oh, brown. <laughs>
1: but you know, I mean, I think when and I think of the success in the last little while, you know, for mustard, mustard and gold, just huge yarn colours for, you know. Or maybe that's just me. Woo. Um, what happens? What's the process when you go out there and you think, okay, we're going to curate a gorgeous selection of yarn or we're going to sort of look at the market and see what's, what people are loving. I mean, do you have like a sort of sixth yarn sense that sort of tingles when you see a new yarn or you see like a different combination of fibers or how does it work? It, it, it happens. From both directions, sometimes we're sent collections by
2: mills and something just jumps out at us and it's like, oh my gosh, we have to have this yarn. Other times we'll see a yarn and say, oh, this is a really pretty yarn, but it has too much acrylic in it. Maybe we can reverse engineer it and change out the composition and see what we get. I bought a sweater two summers ago because I loved the yarn and I sent it to a couple, I cut it up and sent a couple pieces to different mills to engineer because I wanted to create The yarn, and Mm. we actually now have the yarn in our store. It's not exactly where I started, but it's where we ended up, and and it's great. So it it just really depends, you know. There's a yarn right now that I so want to have in our uh, Stacy Charles collection, but the pandemic has created some really interesting situations. Normally mills will have minimums per color, Marion, as you know, and a lot of times they'll work with you. You have to pay a little bit of a surcharge, a little bit extra, but they'll do smaller dye lots and. You know, the mills are being a little less flexible right now, I think, just because it's been such a challenging year plus for them around the world. And there's one yarn that I would give an awful lot for to have in our collection, but I can't get the mints down to something that feels comfortable for us. So fortunately, I have one bag, 10 balls, that somebody's Mm going to knit something beautiful for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, maybe it'll live to to debut another day, but um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of all over the place the process.
3: Yeah, and it depends on you know what you buy. If you're buying for the valley, you know, for a private label line, well, certainly you've got to think a little bit harder about what does the brand look like. You know, we're not going to put a sparkly yarn in Valley Yarns. Um, versus, you know, you want to do something maybe a little bit more fashion-forward for Stacy Charles. What's going to make the yarn sell the best? You know, for us, it was always about well, yeah, that vendor has vendor's price is fifty cents higher a ball, but they have full full design support, so you know the yarn's going to sell. Versus the guy who goes to the mill, knocks it off, doesn't provide any pattern support, the yarn's not going to sell. Um, so it's really about what how you pro, you know the yarns that you select have to have some reason for being is the best way to describe it.
1: And how much do you sort of, you know, take on board the views and the feelings of the community around the store and your customers? And cause I know obviously with all the tent sales and things like that, you, you actually get to see your customers in real life and you can talk to them and you know what they love. And obviously now with the internet and everything, we're all talking to our customers all the time and through all these different media about, you know, what they love. And do you have any kind of customers where you sort of think, Wow, if they like it, it's gotta be good or you know, somebody who sort of really sort of feels out there or picks something up in the store and says, Oh, that is the best merino I have ever seen.
3: We haven't restarted it yet. Um, and we're very excited to restart. Uh, we have drop-in, we have knitting drop-in in the store where Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, and Thursday evening, people can come just hang out and knit. And there's an instructor there. And occasionally, if we were on the fence of a yarn, we would-
2: Yeah, we would um, do an in- we'd, informal survey.
3: We'd, we'd go into the drop-in and say, do you guys like this or not? The reality is that, and we'd always go to our staff too, Would you know if we were on the fence, usually Kathy and I have a pretty good feel for if something's going to sell. And the reality is if you're buying from a third-party vendor, you're not going to bet the farm and you're not going to, you know, there's nothing that's going to be enterprise destroying by buying uh, an extra five Merino from one vendor versus the other. You know, it's the ones that are kind of like, mm, I'm not sure. Let's take a look. Let's bring it out. And then we'd go ask. Yeah. I think
2: the thing we learned early on was to your point, Marion, to to listen to our customers, and it might not be a yarn that I would choose to knit with. There's a lot of yarn in my store that it's not coming home to my house, and that's okay. It's not it's not my flavor, but it's a lot of other people's flavor. And just having a a, a sense of what will appeal to our customers, and I think spending time with them, watching trends. Seeing the projects that they're gravitating towards, and certainly that's gotten a whole lot easier over the years as technology and the internet have come more into play. But just trying to have a good sense of what appeals to our customer base. And it's really interesting now that we're buying both for webs and for love crafts in our role here, you know, really making sure we keep. You know, there's a fair amount of crossover in what the two brands carry. But there's also a lot of distinctions between the two companies and making sure we maintain those identities is is really, really critical for us.
1: Well, that's one of the things I'm most excited about because I I think and so many of the the crafters at craft are excited to try new things. And just the, you know, that free sort of excitement when you see like a yarn line that you haven't used before. And I know you're laughing Jamie but you're it's so true. excited though. I am, though Marian, I am if Marion if you could
0: see Marion's tail it's wagging like nobody's
1: wagging like <laughs> wagging. Can I ask I am a, just yeah god sorry Can Jamie. I ask a
0: really newbie question because I don't know is eyelash yarn really a thing and is it made of eyelashes? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was it two, was uh, a
3: thing. 2004. Some of our vendors might still have it in their in their stock rooms. But it, it's a nylon yarn with strips hanging off fringe. of it. Fringe hanging off of it. And people would knit scarves. And one of the things about novelty yarn was the amount of yarn that we sold was absurd the, in novelty yarn. And the thing is, and with later in like 2011, 2012, there was what's called ruffle yarn.
1: Oh, I remember ruffle yarn. Crikey, I had a scarf in every color.
3: Right. So everybody bought, we bought, we sold tons. I remember telling our staff when ruffle yarn turned off and ruffle yarn was half a million dollars of sales or something like that. Is it? It's gone. We have to replace that. You never saw a ruffle yarn scarf being worn. We sold a gazillion skeins of it. We, we never never saw, s- them. never saw it in public.
2: We <laughs> <But laughs> certainly wouldn't thing. now. Yeah, <laughs> what are they doing with it?
0: Can you think of any other trends that have, like, you know, you've just been taken aback by over the years? I don't think we we're ever taken aback by, but it was just it, it, we we're not taken aback by I any mean, of the
3: trends. It was more of just being able to go with the flow of the trends that were there. Mm. Um, you know, if we've been in a natural yarn trend for eight nine ten years it's almost time for novelty earn to come back again
0: it starts yeah. now listeners um, <laughs> and yeah, every
3: oh. once in a while you want to you want to buy one or two just to see just if it's gonna it just to see if it's gonna if it's gonna sell
0: should we just have a yeah, break let do your thing Go i've got yeah, a yeah. quiz for you now the thing is here is i know obviously um There's a tradition of weaving. Do either of you practice any weaving at this stage in your lives? At this stage, no,
3: I can weave.
2: Yes, and I I can weave. I like the process of weaving. I don't like the process that you have to go through to get to the point where you can actually start weaving. By the time I get there, I'm I'm over it.
0: (laughs) Is it a bit like (laughs) setting up a knitting machine? By the time you've actually set the thing up, you're like, right, I need to have a lie down now. (laughs) Probably
3: because you have to plan your project, wind your warp, dress the loom. Ugh. Before you can actually start weaving.
0: But then it's so I've got a quiz and it's called Weaving or Deceiving. And what we've got is I've got six six. If phrases. I do them wrong, my
3: mother will kill me.
0: I know, sorry about this. <laughs> You'll but be uh, so I'm gonna name some names of things and are they a type of weaving or something else, okay? So we'll we'll start off simple, shag weave. Is it am I weaving or am I deceiving? You're deceiving. No way, I'm weaving completely shag weave. <laughs> Uh, shag weave apparently according to the weaving uh, shag weave is a great way to use up all those leftover yarn tails and have fun too uh you save them all and then i think you just use tail ends to give it a bit of extra floof whoa who knew that's
3: rag weaving in
0: the US. yeah let's say that they, well, so in which case
2: up the british terms on us that's not fair
0: sounds like austin powers all of a sudden didn't he? <laughs> hey baby let's get a shag weave <laughs> All right exactly. then, let's try the next one. Then the Welsh rabbit.
3: Again, you're mixing up. You're mixing up cultures.
0: <laughs> global, it's global. What do you think, weaving or I'm deceiving? That's it. uh, deceiving. That is deceiving. Correct. It's a dish from Wales made with old cheese melted onto bread, often yeah. with a bit of mustard or something <laughs> like that. So, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna. I might wink at you for the next one. Uh, Rye loops. What is it? Raya Loops.
1: Raya Loops? It sounds like some kind of breakfast cereal. Doesn't
0: no, I think so that's nice. weaving as well. There is something. Congratulations! It is weaving. Uh,
1: the th- really cool
0: thing about Raya Loops, again, according to theweavingloom.com, is it use one continuous thread to make them. No cutting and tying threads, thread after thread like with Raya Knots. Uh, I really wish I We're knew gonna what We're going to get I fired if, it, <laughs> if anybody listens
2: to this. Theo can edit this to sound a lot better. I we we've, we've been it all these years. You're welcome
0: <laughs> to reply. Or out of the will. <laughs> 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 okay, let's try uh, this one. Twisted ginger. Twisted ginger? Deceiving. That's no,
1: deceiving.
0: That is deceiving. It's uh, water with grenadine and lime.
1: Ordered... <laughs> get yeah, a somewhat delicious
0: drink for free because you can call it water with lime and grenadine and then you can impress your friends with, oh, you got a twisted ginger for free.
3: I think I prefer a painkiller.
0: <laughs> What's a painkiller?
3: It is rum and coconut and
1: pineapple. pineapple. And yeah. Ooh. And
3: it's, very, it's very tropical.
0: Yeah.
1: That sounds, sounds very good. nice. I don't know about tropical.
0: You don't need very many of them. <laughs> Penultimate one then, the sumac weave. Everybody's doing the sumac weave. <laughs>
1: The sumac
0: weave—it's deceiving. It's not deceiving. <laughs> it's a braid weave. It's a very fun weave to add texture to your wall hanging. The sumac weave.
1: I thought sumac was a spice.
0: I think, yeah, maybe. It's a tree.
2: It's a plant. that's highly. It's an. Um... It's a.
0: It's yeah. It's poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> Do not eat the sumac weave. That was weaving or deceiving, everybody. Congratulations. I think you got four out of six in fairness that's so, respectable That's yeah, fra- I, that I mean respectable. we
1: with had we had Sally Coulthard on with her book uh, A Short History of the World According to Sheep yeah. which is a great
0: book and uh, we did Ram or Sham Ram or Sham is it a Ram sham. or is it a sham yeah. and <laughs> she no, scored very badly on that <laughs>
1: she really didn't win that one ever. that was a great quiz that makes me feel better
0: yeah you can tell if there's a quiz if there's something that we nearly did Loom or Doom so you got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> you dodged a bullet on that
4: one I like Loom or Doom I like Loom or Doom too
1: <laughs> (laughs) Do you know what? I think maybe Loom or Doom could be a piece of really exciting content we could write. I think that would be good. (laughs) For Halloween
0: or something. I've got one more question and then we'll get back on to talking about weaving again. So I've got a very busy life because I'm the kingpin of contemporary embroidery and all that. So one day I'm, I'm landing the X plane in Northampton, Massachusetts, and I'm like, oh, I've got about three quarters of an hour to spare for some dinner. Am I better served going to Miss Florence's diner on Main Street to have some corned beef hash and eggs or should i go to sylvester's restaurant on pleasant street and have the very seasonal right now asparagus and strawberry salad which would you recommend
3: oh so they're both they're both really good yeah but sylvester's is right down the street from the store miss Warren's diner is miss florence diner is right down the street from our one of our warehouses but customers can't go
0: there so really you'd go to sylvester's have the asparagus and strawberry salad which is seasonal and i didn't even know it was a thing sounds lush and then you'd be recharged enough to come back and attack the credit card some more in your shop mm-hmm. uh, that, yes.
2: that, that really happens in real life at the <gasps> store <gasps> Does folks it? will come folks will come in the morning yeah. especially if it's their first time they'll kind of get the lay of the land they'll go to sylvester's for lunch and then they'll come back and do their hardcore shopping
0: do you have any posters up in Sylvester's, or perhaps a selection? You should have a display.
1: They used to have a display in
2: the dining
0: room. Amazing!
1: It sounds like my spiritual home. That's all I can say. It really does. <laughs> I think yarn food, yarn food. Steve, we we did a bit of digging actually before before we spoke to you. Of course, we did. Hence all this sort of thing. And we were told that there's something that you do in the office that. Is quite tricky. Apparently, you're a pen stealer. Oh, yeah. And he told us, they're like, oh. I st-
3: do feed pens. Takes right. the so they- pens
1: and never returns mm, them.
3: Yeah. The pandemic.
0: Pandemic.
1: Pandemic. Oh,
3: yeah. Yes. <laughs> Kathy sent, Kathy was cleaning out one of the cabinets. I think it was when you're starting the kitchen yeah. renovation. And she sent me back to East Hampton with, a Ziploc full, not a small Ziploc, a big <laughs> Ziploc full yeah. of pens. So we didn't have to order pens for the business for like a year. <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you know you do it? Has it become a sort of kleptomania? Is it, no, like I just put
3: them in that? my pocket and <laughs> they come home. Every day. Or they go <laughs> into my
0: in my backpack. <laughs> That's hard to know. If it is a brown pen, would you be like, mm, no?
1: Yeah, or a no, yellow pen.
0: <laughs> a yellow pen or an orange pen. Yeah,
1: it? yellow pens. No room for yellow pens in the Elkins household. Wait,
3: wait, wait, wait. Have you ever seen a brown pen? Again, they don't sell.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, I write
0: with them sometimes and then I regret it because yeah, they, like, right? they don't brown sell. They don't sell, do they? No. Do you
1: know what though? I mean, isn't it interesting? Because I mean, there's so many like all yarn lines seem to have a brown yarn, or like there's always that sort of lovely earthy, gorgeous, sort of earth tone type of yeah.
3: yeah. I mean brown brown you've got to have in the line. Orange and yellow. If you went go and look at Grandpa's garage sale, and it is full <laughs> of <laughs> orange and yellow right? It's the last one gone. All of our third-party vendors have told us that, you know, brown is the new grey. No I'll say, show me. (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it.
0: So apart from ruffle yarn and brown yarn, are there any significant yarny trends for 2022 that we should be considering?
1: Yes, you heard it now on the Love Show.
0: I mean, obviously I'm big on ruffle, you can uh, tell anyway.
1: (laughs) Jamie says, so gunmetal gray, is, gun the metal gray is the color of my
0: soul. I'm hoping I mean, that there
3: you can't have enough grain. You can't have enough grays in your line uh, right <laughs> now. But I mean, it's true. It's still classic yarn. It Still continues to rule. But the odd, not odd. The consumer will buy. What are you look at You're giving me the evil eye. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, love if it. If you good design with some unique yarn will sell. Um, So we have a yarn called Gemma that we put on the cover of the spring catalog, which was a Stacy Charles yarn that we went out, and it's a little bit more trend-driven, more fashion-forward yarn, and it's done really, really well. A couple of yarns from Barocco that you would say, mm, maybe not, but the designs are really good, and the consumer wants something a little bit different. Taki Tandem is another yarn that has been around forever, and sells out every year because uh, and it has one design that has come bananas for the last four or five years so i think the consumer is always wanting fresh and new and that's the thing that we always try and bring is that you know you always want to give the consumer something different because if you keep throwing the same thing at them they're going to go do something else <music>
1: you talked about design and pattern support and things like that. That's a really important thing to really showcase those yarns. And if you see something, how far do you go to sort of look at pattern support with a particular yarn? And I just actually want to say, I saw Tandem for example and thought, Oh my God, that's gorgeous. What do I do with it? So, I mean, I can think of lots of things to do with it, but you know, it's great, isn't it? If it was one pattern, it's still so popular. How much do you sort of think pattern support influences a yarn
2: uh, I think it is paramount. I think, you know, there's certain yarns that can stand on their own that don't need a lot of support. But I think it's it's really critical to have good design support. And, and like Steve was saying earlier, we'll, we'll buy a yarn if we have a, a similar yarn from two suppliers. And one is a little bit more expensive, but has great pattern support. 95% of the time, that's the one we're going to choose. You know, the consumer, especially today, especially after the last 18 months, you know, everybody's overwhelmed. There's, a, there's so much noise in the world, not just in the knitting world, but just in general. Um, you know, you want to make it easy for the consumer. You want to make it easy for the knitter to help, you know, make decisions. We make sure we do as good of a job as we can for our own yarns. And we, we expect that from our suppliers as well.
1: How do you see the future of the industry sort of expanding as we come out of this pandemic into the future?
2: I think there's going to be a fair amount of innovation coming out of the pandemic. I think, you know, people have been locked down. They've been in their homes. Businesses have been shuttered for a long time. um, And I I think it has resulted in people having to get creative in a different way. You know, look, we've been buying yarn for 18 months over zoom for the store not always being able to touch and feel things we've had to create trade shows and a whole new virtual platform Um, and i think i think there will be some best practices that come out of all of the hardship we've all been through these last 18
0: months if history said anything you guys are pretty good at like getting ahead and innovating and stuff like that so if anybody's going to be able to run with the new you know the way the shape of the world normal you should be like chief global yarn officers or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean. And how have you found the Lovecraft family so far? Oh, What's my it?
2: gosh. They're so lovely. You know, you know, when you start a new job, everybody's always nice at the beginning because, you know, they want you to feel welcome and whatnot. Well, we're coming up on six months in tomorrow's or six months.
4: Congratulations.
2: Um, thank you. And we We haven't fired yet. Fire yet. I'm pretty <laughs> impressed. Um, but, you know... Everybody's still as nice as they were day one, as caring, as interested, as supportive. And that's just been so lovely. And everyone has gone so far out of their way to make sure that the the combining of the two businesses has been smooth and respectful. And um, and I think our team feels that way, too.
3: And it's not that it hasn't been, I mean, for the two of us, we haven't had a boss for 20 years, right? So we have a boss again and that type of thing is is different right mean, i have to run it by somebody i can't just make that decision so those are the things that are kind of different for us you for us personally there's a little bit of back in the you know we now have the same title and we have the same you know we're back in a little bit of the bumping into each other because mm-hmm. we still have to run webs and we're doing that but in the in the buying piece you know there's a little bit of
2: tripping over you know, tripping each
3: other to make yeah. sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, webs, we've got that waltz down. Like, we know this, we know all those dance steps. And if one of us gets out of sync, we know how to get ourselves back in sync. And now we're starting, we're learning some new choreography. <laughs> That's a gorgeous thing. Like a tango way to rather, look at rather than
0: a waltz, maybe.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and there's new vendors to, to, to get to know. There's new, uh, you know, all the British Life. suppliers that, you know, we knew some, but we didn't know all. Um, there's different mills. We've been able to. Introduce Lovecrafts to some of our vendors, some of the Web's vendors, and that's got some new things on the pipeline that are going to be great. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting! Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, and it's a lot of work.
1: Oh, we well, were, we're very thrilled to have you. It's fabulous, and also bringing back some old friends. I know that you used to stock W Bliss and Webs, and now you have Debbie back again she always talks about sort of meeting you long time ago and now she's very thrilled to be back with you again
2: yeah we're super excited to have um, the Debbie Bliss line back at webs and on yarn.com and we're super excited to do um, a big launch event with her once all the yarns get here trains planes and automobiles (laughs) yeah no we've known Debbie for a very long time and um, you know I consider her a friend and um, she has such a unique aesthetic with her her brand, and she's so fiercely protective of it. And I have such a huge amount of respect for the way she goes about her, her designing and her development of yarns. Um, so it's really exciting to get to work side by side with her.
0: I'm not contractually obliged to say good things about Lovecrafts because I don't work for them. But I do know... <laughs> That they really you know there's a genuine enthusiasm about the relationship and i know that they're only ever really interested in working with companies that further the bigger picture you know they're not just out to buy them and turn them into a dollar or whatever so i you know from my observer standpoint on a space platform um it looks like a really exciting opportunity and given your like, we could call them, like yarn panhandling skills given your factory being able to find nuggets and stuff it's going to be really interesting to see how things evolve for sure oh
1: i'm just super excited
0: well listen thanks for being on the show i feel like it's been it's been a pleasure and thanks for you know with the time difference and all of those oh um, well we're really
2: honored to be invited thank you for having us
0: have uh, from a professional podcasting standpoint how's it how's it been has it been all right you've got, yeah, you've got 500 shows we've only we got, got like three or something yeah we've only it's got a
1: few great.
0: doing an hour and a half is you know i don't we would have killed each other
1: kudos to you guys
0: there's a reason why i live four hours away from marion as well we're not in the same room <laughs> yes, it makes we, it we, right? we wouldn't
1: we wouldn't work well if we were sitting next to each other oh no we will we not we great right. we can't no, remember you guys have a lovely synergy yeah, okay. you guys have Sorry. a lovely
2: synergy
0: well listen it's been a pleasure hopefully we'll yes. get you on same time next season see how things are going you can give us some trends we'll we'll pick up on that ruffle massive I'm very there we that. go um so thanks everybody for another lovely episode of the lovecraft show we hope you enjoyed it feel free to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform and email show at lovecraft.com with your comments and your dreams if you've got any problems about yarn now lovecrafts have got some global yarn offices so they will just fix them so just email oh, yeah. yarn at lovecraft.com and i'm sure it'll get sorted you know if it's the <laughs> cats chewed it or whatever just let them know be fine I think that's the official line anyway. Uh, in summation, then, thanks everybody. We'll see you on another show. Uh, my name is Mr. Extich.
1: And I'm Marian.
0: And it's getting near dawn when lights close their tired eyes. I'll soon be with you, my love, give you my dawn surprise. I'll be with you, darling, soon. I'll be with you when the stars start falling. I've been waiting so long to be where I'm going in the sunshine of your Lovecrafts.
4: Thank you very much, everybody.